it's taught me to follow my intuition and listen to that gut feeling that says, this is somebody I enjoy being around and I feel comfortable with versus I think this person's really attractive, but I feel really wired up and uncomfortable when we're together one-on-one. I've had both of those experiences. And the old me used to have those intuitive feelings, but I would drink on top of that gut that said, "Mm, you don't really like this guy. Do you want to continue this date? Well, if we were drinking together, I always wanted to continue the date because more drinks are always good. And then typically I would end up out late at night with someone I wasn't really that interested in. And it would be even more awkward if I said later on, it was fun getting to know you, but no thanks. Even more awkward if we somehow ended up back at someone's house, right? Welcome to the tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, tribe leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober podcast, episode 183. My name is Janet Gorond. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. Here at Tribe Sober, we help people to change their relationship with alcohol and then to go on and actually thrive in their alcohol-free lives. And over the last seven years, we've helped thousands of people to do just that. And we created Tribe Sober because we know from experience that it's really hard to change your drinking habits alone. You need to find a new tribe. Social norms are so powerful And that's why connecting with others on the same path will keep you on track and inspire you to keep going. So at Tribe Sober, we're all about community. It's a community where everyone strives for an alcohol-free lifestyle. And many of our members are already thriving in their alcohol-free lives and inspiring others. Each week, we feature a community voice, just to give you a flavour of the awesomeness of our tribe. I wasn't drinking vodka with my cornflakes. I just, you know, didn't want to wake up feeling like groggy or take chances driving my car home when I shouldn't have been driving at home or say things that I didn't entirely mean to people that I care about anymore, which is very easy to do. That's my choice. I wasn't a a kind of like a urine-soaked tramp, like living under a bridge. I mean, you know, but I mean, just because I don't want to have that glass, just because I don't want to share three bottles of Chardonnay with you now, you know, it doesn't make me a, a pariah. So if you'd like to join our warm and welcoming community, just go to tribesober.com and hit 
join our tribe. Or if you'd like to get to know us a bit first, why not sign up for our five-day sobriety boot camp? It's absolutely free and it starts on Monday, the 2nd of October. Five days of connection, training and tasks to get you started or even restarted on your sobriety journey. Everything is recorded, so whatever your time zone, we've got you covered. You can sign up right now and go join the conversation. Just go to tribesober.com and you'll see it on the homepage. My guest today is recovering attorney, Lily. Lily was my guest on the episode which came out on May the 6th. It's already had 2,000 downloads and we had some great feedback. If you missed it, then have a listen to Lily sharing her story. I'll put the link in the show notes. Lily is a coach these days, and one of the things that she helps people with is relationship coaching. So today, we're going to focus on sober dating. If your romantic relationships have always been lubricated with alcohol, then this could be a skill that you'll need in your toolkit as you build your alcohol-free lifestyle. I began our conversation by asking Lily to remind me about her drinking story. Thank you, Janet, for having me on again. A very brief summary of my drinking career would be that I started drinking when I was a teenager and my drinking escalated and progressed over the years until I was a daily drinker and I finally hit my rock bottom at age 37. That was in the fall of 2018. And at that point, I was miserable. I had had consequences. And the biggest consequence for me at that point was not just the external consequences, not the amount of money that I'd been spending on alcohol and rides to and from places or the relationships that I was damaging and at risk of losing. The biggest consequence was internal for me. It was a feeling of hopelessness, of uselessness, and of misery. I hated myself. I didn't like who I was. I didn't like how I was showing up. And so that was the moment when I did something really crazy and I asked for help and I got help and I've been sober since September of 2018 and I'm very grateful about that. But when we're thinking about dating and relationships in sobriety, I was thinking back on what I was like when I started drinking and little Lily back then. And I was a very shy child. I was an only child and I craved connections. I loved all of my friends and I've been blessed to have really fantastic friendships throughout my life. But I wanted to connect with people and was unsure how to do so because I was shy. And so alcohol was a tool for me to feel more apart, more comfortable in my skin. And I say that drinking gave me the errs. It made me feel funnier, prettier. I was sassier. I was more likely to flirt with the cute guy. I was more likely to take my clothes off. It just was that social lubricant. It was that liquid courage that 
I wanted and that I thought I needed yeah. in order to be a more, an er, a more vivacious version of myself back then. So looking back on how my drinking started, that was one of my big reasons. I wanted that connection. I felt uncomfortable in my own skin. And so drinking was a big solution for me to feel more open and vivacious and think I was a better version of myself, especially around men, especially on dates. And I had some boyfriends throughout my uh, younger years. And I can tell you that all of the relationships that I've been in, at least pre-sobriety, revolved or started with alcohol. And some of my boyfriends and I got together when we were drinking heavily together. And then that shared passion for drinking would continue throughout the relationship. And it wasn't always getting drunk, but it was, let's have a cocktail, let's go to dinner and have wine or uh, cocktails there. And just throughout the phases of my relationships um, leading up to sobriety, alcohol was a huge player. And I would drink before, I would pregame before Mm -hmm. a date. I would drink before a date, especially a first date. And then the first date and many of the subsequent dates usually involved meeting in a bar and having drinks. And if the man that I was meeting or dating didn't drink like I did, then that was going to be a problem. I did date one man in my 20s who did not drink. He'd never taken a drink. He had no objection to me drinking. He would jokingly say it makes me funnier and more attractive, you know, when you're drinking. And I was okay with that. But at the end of the day, I couldn't imagine a life without alcohol, especially in those relationships, because it seemed to make everything just a little brighter and funnier and And easier. Yes, took that awkward edge off. And so if I'm more comfortable in my own skin and have that delusion that alcohol is making me some better person, or at least is making me feel better for the moment, then that was a major crutch. And I remember talking with a therapist right around the first couple of weeks of my sobriety and asking her, telling her, I can't imagine how am I going to go on a date without drinking? How will I do all of these things that I want to do without drinking and dating, meeting men, being in a relationship, having sex, all of those things. I could not imagine having those experiences stone cold. I remember you telling me last time we spoke that that first year of sobriety, you stopped, you didn't go on any dates. Was that something your therapist had recommended? That first year of sobriety, I've heard many people and programs recommend to spend the first year focused on staying sober and to not make any major life changes during that first year if you can help it. And so that could include not changing jobs, not making a big geographic move, and if you're single, not starting any new relationships. And 
my sponsor, I did uh, work the 12 steps and continue to be involved in 12-step programs today. My sponsor suggested that I spend the first year without dating, and I was way ahead of her because at the end of my drinking career, I wasn't a good date. I wasn't a good girlfriend. I wasn't in a state to take care of myself and like myself and love myself. And so there's no way I could take care of, not that I need to take care of, but there's no way I could be really truly loving and caring and supportive of someone else when I couldn't even handle my own personal business. And so I was in no mental or emotional state to be dating. And I knew that I had been using men the way I used alcohol in some ways, Mm -hmm. because the excitement of that new guy, the excitement of that date, the excitement of the first kiss and all of those things give me that big dopamine hit Mm -hmm. and give me that feeling of being uplifted and that high, really. And I know I'm not the only one, uh, but I'll use my personal experience for most of what I share today. And so I needed to step back from that and focus on getting okay with me and taking better care of myself before I started dating again. I was not a very nice person to date at the very end. I was drinking so much. I had started to get mean when I was really drunk or in a blackout. And that wasn't my true self, but that's where I was going. Sure, sure. And so I, I didn't want to do that to myself or anyone else. And so I took the first year away from dating. I made friends with men and kept things totally platonic. I was very kindly invited out on some dates and was able to politely decline. And so there was that initial experience. And that first year for me was not hitting the 365th day of sobriety was not some magic moment where I thought, okay, I'm ready to go out and date. I'm going to be a great girlfriend, partner, wife. It took more time than that for me, but I had that really solid foundation in my sobriety and I was feeling much better about myself even when I was alone yep. and not surrounded by a crowd of people. Yeah, if we and can feel happy and comfortable alone, then that's a good beginning, isn't it? So do you remember your first sober date? I do. I was past the year mark and I went out on my first date. This would have been late 2019 or early 2020. And I went out with a man that I'd met through my home group, and I knew him. We'd become friends. We both respected each other. We had things in common. And so it felt like a really good potential match. And we did go out several times, and we had a good time together. But ultimately, it didn't go into anything serious And it ended fairly cordially, although there was some tension and there were some hurt feelings. And that's normal when there are feelings involved and hopes that something might turn into more than friendship. 
that's natural. But I was really proud of myself for showing up as a very different person and being a better communicator and being very mindful of how I was showing up because I didn't want to just start dating someone in order to feel that dopamine, that validation when he called or when he asked me out. And so that was the beginning of my experience. And I'm very grateful that I took that first year and even more time after that to wait until I met somebody that felt like a good fit for me. I was a lot more clear at that point than I was pre-sobriety about who I was, how I wanted to show up, what I was looking for in a relationship rather than just saying, well, he might not be Mr. Right, but he can be Mr. Right now. (laughs) You know, and that was my attitude pre-sobriety. And I have suggested to women I've worked with and sponsored and other women who are new in sobriety to spend time if you're single in your early sobriety, getting to know yourself and not jumping into dating or relationships or sex, whatever it is, because it can be such a big distraction. That dopamine, that desire to be with that other person can be so distracting from sobriety. And I've seen a lot of people early in their sobriety find the love of their lives, mm. either in a, in a recovery program or in rehab or IOP. And there's that tendency to think, oh, we speak the same language. We've yeah. had these really similar intense experiences. So clearly this is my soulmate and neither party or maybe the one party is not solid in her foundation for sobriety. And so the focus can switch from sobriety and how do I live one day at a time sober and becoming happier without taking the drink or the drug to what's he doing? Where are we going? How is this going? And I've seen some early sobriety relationships work out, but I've seen a lot of them crash and burn. And unfortunately, that sometimes results in one or both people, if they're both in recovery, relapsing. Yeah, yeah. Because there there must be a a few cases of rebounding, really. You know, you rebound from your love affair with alcohol (laughs) into the next relationship, perhaps. I love how you phrased that. Yes, my love affair with alcohol into a replacement. And it can be food or shopping or gambling, but man, relationships, dating and sex are such a high that that's a really popular replacement or substitute or rebound, as you put it. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. So if there's sober people listening to this, they've done their one year of sobriety looking after themselves and now they're ready to get out there. Where do you think they should start looking? Are there websites for sober people? There should be. There are. Good. There are sober-focused dating sites. I know when I was early in sobriety, I wasn't looking around for those sites but I think it's a great tool for us to have. 
I personally have not gone on any of the sober only dating websites. I've spent a few weeks on Bumble in late 2020 thinking I might give that a try. And I very quickly took myself off of that. So all of the men I've dated in sobriety. I didn't enjoy it. Mm. I had experienced, I had lots of experience pre-sobriety with online dating platforms. Mm. And I'd met some really wonderful men through them and even had a couple of longer term relationships with men I'd met through online platforms. But the longest and healthiest relationships I personally have experienced have been with people I've met through real life in some capacity, whether that was mutual friends or a shared work environment or a shared interest, like for me, yoga and meditation. Those are the places where I tend to be more comfortable because I can get to know the person before there's any thought of turning it into something romantic. But I know people who have used the online dating platforms during sobriety, and I knew we would talk about this a little bit. So I did a little poll of my sober friends who are single or who have been single during their sobriety. And I asked them if they'd ever used any of the sober specific dating sites. And the responses I got were either no, or no, do those exist? Yeah, yeah. Well, they're certainly not very well known. They're not well known, but I think it's a great resource. I did hear from several people, and I know several people well, who have used the broader platforms like Match.com and Hinge and some of the bigger names while they were sober and used those to meet dates and connect with people during sobriety. Yeah, I've had a couple of connections that have been dating via those normal sites, should we call them? Uh, I think Tinder comes to mind and maybe match.com. And they haven't put that they're sober in their profile. And they've, they've met people and chatted to them and got on really well. And then they've just mentioned before the date that, oh, you know, I don't drink alcohol. And they've been dropped like a a hot brick. (laughs) So uh, that's a bit unfortunate that it happens in that way, doesn't it? And would you advise people if they wanted to go on one of the biggest sites, do you think they should say they were sober or, or not even mention it? My gut on that question is, one, of course, it's always your choice. But Mm. I would suggest that if you are hesitant about disclosing that you don't drink, then you might not be ready to be putting yourself on that website Mm. or to be venturing into the normal dating pool. Because my experience has been dating normal drinkers as a sober person, it wasn't a big deal when they asked to go someplace like a restaurant or I met one man for our first and only date at a restaurant that had a big outdoor patio and we were going to meet for drinks. And at that point, I had over a year and a half sobriety and I was able to say, That would be great. This was during COVID. So a lot of places were still very restricted 
or not even reopened yet. And we met at this place. They had a big outdoor area. So COVID precautions were covered. There was a man playing guitar. It was a beautiful environment. He had a couple of beers. I had a couple of sparkling waters. But I was able to say, why don't we meet here? This is a location that I'm comfortable in, that I know. And I don't drink alcohol, but you're welcome to. But I was okay with that at that point. And that disclosure didn't scare him away. And it hasn't scared away any of the normal men I've dated while I've been sober. But going back to the online platforms and whether you disclose that you don't drink up front, I think you should. If some people don't connect with you or don't match back with you because of that reason, well, wouldn't you want to know that ahead yeah. of time? Yeah, I mean, far better that, Lily, than being on a date and you're, you're with somebody that's knocking back double scotches in front of you. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't mind being with people who can have a couple of drinks sure. and then stop. But I would not want to be with somebody who drank like me. That's exactly, because we can no spot doubt. them a mile off, can't we? <laughs> that's right. And that's the person who probably <laughs> won't match with you if you say you don't drink. Yes, yeah. And you don't have to tell them when you say, I don't drink, or if you put that indicator on your profile that you're alcohol-free, you don't have to explain why no, you don't no. drink. You can simply say, I don't drink. Yeah. And then if they suggest going someplace for drinks and you're comfortable going to that place and then having a drink or two and you not, then that's great. But then you can also say, well, I don't drink and I thought it would be nice for us to have a first meeting without alcohol, doing some activity, yeah. maybe taking a walk meeting at a dog park if we're both dog lovers, and having an experience together rather than doing the traditional yeah. sit across from each other and eat uh. and drink and talk, talk, talk. And my experience is that going on those more activity experiential dates, especially as you're just starting to get to know each other, can alleviate a lot of that initial awkwardness and yeah. tension. yeah. One of the best first dates I ever went on was with a man who didn't drink. I was still drinking at the time. And he suggested we go to one of the science museums here in Dallas, where I'm based. It was an awesome first date. It was very interactive. We walked around. We looked at the exhibits. We joked. We got to know each other. And there were plenty of awkward pauses and moments along the way, but we were surrounded by exhibits and yeah. little plaques on the walls that we could read. And so it made those pauses less obvious. And if anything, we had a good time going to the museum. Yeah. Well, it takes then the pressure off. You're not just looking at each other and it can sound like an interview sometimes, can't it? So It kind of is an interview. Well, it is ways. an interview, but it's a lot more <laughs> subtle if it's taking place during an activity when you've both got something else to focus on as the main thing. Yeah, I think that's... And, and maybe, you know, going out for breakfast or 
something like that. I mean, the, the big hotels, they do beautiful breakfasts. Doesn't have yes. to be lunch or dinner. And then alcohol won't really raise its, its head. Agree. What would you say that you've learned from sober dating? Sober dating has taught me a huge amount about myself. It's been an ongoing experience of self-exploration and learning to show up differently, not just in dating, but in my relationships in general throughout my life. It's taught me to follow my intuition and listen to that gut feeling that says, this is somebody I enjoy being around and I feel comfortable with versus I think this person's really attractive, but I feel really wired up and uncomfortable when we're together one-on-one. I've had both of those experiences. And the old me used to have those intuitive feelings, but I would drink on top of that gut that said, "Mm, you don't really like this guy. Do you want to continue this date? Well, if we were drinking together, I always wanted to continue the date because more drinks are always good. And then typically I would end up out late at night with someone I wasn't really that interested in. And it would be even more awkward if I said later on, it was fun getting to know you, but no thanks. Even more awkward if we somehow ended up back at someone's house, right? And you saw yourself on the ring camera. (laughs) Yes, seeing myself bringing someone home into my house at 2 a.m. on my ring camera when I was swaying and slurring my speech. Thank you for that reminder, Janet. Well, I have been editing your podcast today, so that one's fresh in my mind. Fresh in your brain. (laughs) So many moments where I look back and I think, I was so blessed. I was so protected. I'm so grateful. Nothing really, truly bad happened because I was in a different state. Yeah. And today I don't do those things. I know what I did last night and when I woke up this morning and I know who I texted and what I posted. And so that self-learning and acknowledgement and development, including and most especially learning to trust my intuition, have been key. And those have been really emphasized in my relationships because I believe that we do relationships like we do everything else. The way I show up in my relationships is going to show me how I show up in other aspects of my life. And so if I'm really focused on how I'm showing up there, how I'm communicating with people, am I truly seeking what feels right to me rather than the shoulds? Yeah. Oh, he should be this or I it should look like that. I'm better able to put those aside and tune into that internal voice that can say, well, yes, you think he's attractive, but here are the red flags, both external red flags as far as actions and words and situations, and then the internal red flags that say, this just doesn't feel right. Yeah. 
Whereas if you're both drinking, those red flags go unnoticed, don't they? (laughs) Or I just glaze right past them. And I still like to push past the red flags, even when I'm sober. And so alcohol, putting down the bottle is truly the first step for me. But I couldn't start to work on myself the way I have been until I was sober and to not be tempted when things don't work out, whether it's in a dating experience, in a relationship, or in some other aspect of my life, I'm not tempted to go back to the drink. I have other tools and resources that I can use and eventually turn it around because that feeling will pass. Yes, yeah. If I allow it to. I think in that first year of sobriety, we we begin to love ourselves again, which uh, we've lost that feeling towards the end of our drinking, I think. So once we with our self-esteem is restored, then we're we're in a much healthier place, aren't we, to, to date, I think. Yes, we are. So what would you say to someone that is sober, has maybe done their, their year, and they're, they're feeling a bit isolated and lonely and they'd love to meet somebody, but they just don't have the courage without alcohol to, to get a relationship started. What would you say to them? My first suggestion to that person who's feeling isolated and lonely and wanting to connect and meet people would be to take those steps first throughout their entire lives. When I'm living in an isolated, very lonely state, for me, the answer is not to try to find the one or a date. It's to reconnect with my community. And so maybe that's your online recovery platform like Tribe Sober. For me, going to a 12-step meeting reconnects me with people, makes me feel better. And I leave not feeling alone. I leave feeling that connection that I crave. Not necessarily a romantic connection, Mm. but I have that sense of community. And so for that person, I would suggest that they really take stock of the rest of their lives. Because one of the dangers, if I'm feeling lonely and I seek to fill that space with a romantic partner, is that romantic partner becomes my fix. Yes. A uh, lot of pressure on him as well. <laughs> yes. And I don't want to be someone's fix or their only connection that they have to turn to. I want to be that additional supplemental partner where we can go and have fun experiences. And yes, we can share, but you are not reliant upon only me Mm. when things aren't going well or when you want to connect with someone. And so one of the great things for me about taking my time again before dating is that I do, I have a huge support network, both in my recovery And also a lot of normal friends who are incredibly supportive and who I can lean on and call on when I need that connection. And so having a really diverse assortment of relationships in our lives just helps balance everything out and take the pressure off of 
the dating and takes the pressure off of us to meet that person and to show up a certain way. Because another thing I've learned is that when we're sober and we've worked on loving ourselves, we're better able to show up authentically. Yeah. That alcohol for me fueled my persona and that actress who wanted to come in and put on a performance Mm. for the guy so that he would adore me and want to see me again. Yeah. And was that person me? Yes. She was a version of me, but I was more likely to go along to get along and to be in more of a people pleasing mode than to speak my mind and be honest about who I was, where I'd been. I certainly wasn't going to tell you about how much I drank when I was meeting you for a first date. You'd probably find out at some point. And so that authenticity in sober dating is key. And that only comes when I've become more comfortable being with myself and in various situations. As a sober individual, I can show up on dates as a sober person with more confidence and clarity. Yeah. Every Saturday afternoon, we open up our Tribe Sober Zoom Cafe. It's a safe space where our members can connect, check in, and just shoot the breeze about alcohol-free living. If you'd like to be a guest at the cafe one Saturday, just drop us an email at Janet at TribeSober.com. That's Janet, J-A-N-E-T, at TribeSober.com, and we'll send you an invitation. I just wanted to reflect on the way that there is pressure for a romantic relationship still throughout our lives and how it, it all starts, doesn't it? When we're, when we're little girls, the stories that we get, we're princesses, aren't we sleeping, waiting for Prince Charming to come and wake us up? And then we are almost brainwashed like we are to drink alcohol to get out there and find Mr. Right. And that was certainly true when I was growing up. And I wanted to ask your opinion. Do you think that pressure has reduced these days? Because I like to think that society is more diverse and it doesn't seem to be about having a heterosexual couple with 2.4 children anymore. Things are getting more flexible, do you think? I agree. I think we've come a long way, even in just the past 20 years, as far as being more welcoming and flexible in our mindsets regarding what couples should look like, the different gender roles, there still are those very prolific stereotypes throughout society. And depending on where you live, especially, can make a huge difference related to what kind of exposure you actually have in real life to seeing those different models of partnerships. For example, I grew up in a small Texas town and I haven't gone back in a while, but I can 99% certainty say that living in a larger city that's more diverse and that has generally a less conservative mindset than those smaller towns has exposed me to so many different scenarios. I've met so many different types of people, different sexualities, 
different backgrounds, different sexual preferences. There are different ways of living their lives and doing things. And I love that. Yeah. And I'm really grateful for that. But the Sleeping Beauty, Prince Charming, where is my white knight who's going to ride in and save me? That kind of thinking still is yeah. quite prolific. Yeah. And the thought underneath what I hear from a lot of my coaching clients is that desire to be chosen. Mm. And I believe that we've come a long way in thinking not about being chosen by someone else, but about would I choose me? Yeah. And I am I being the kind of person that I really want to attract? I didn't grow up in a household where I was groomed to get married young, to have a high school sweetheart, to have two and a half kids by the time I was a certain age. That isn't part of my story. And so perhaps that's why I am fairly comfortable being single at 42 years old today. But there is still that story that's inherent in our society that there's a certain age by which you should do certain things and how it should look. And I credit my sobriety and my journey over the past four and a half years to my peace of mind today. But I still encounter a lot of women who have that desire to be chosen. And yes. there's that outward focus. And this shows up with women in sobriety and also normal women because mm -hmm. everyone Everyone wants a partner on some level. Mm. Everyone wants to be part of a community and to be connected and loved. That's a natural human instinct. There's nothing sure. wrong with that. The problem shows up when we start to undermine our own values. Yeah. And to be very unclear or misaligned with our principles and what's best for us. And we're shoving those things aside or we're never even very clear on them because we're so focused on grabbing that guy or being chosen. Mm. And so one of the fun questions I like to posit when coaching people and working with other women is, well, would you choose you? And also, do you really want to choose him? And learning to break those patterns of thinking so that I'm showing up in a more authentic way. And I believe the universe sends me what's right for me in the right time. Yeah. And I don't have to force it. But it's taken a long time to get to that mindset. A very <laughs> long time. Still working well, on it. Congratulations. Let's end with your top three tips for sober daters. My top three tips for sober daters. First have a strong foundation in your sobriety. You don't have to be sober for a magical number of days, but have some experience living life, going to restaurants, going out with friends without drinking or without being tempted to drink before you do start to date. Because even if you date someone who's also sober, you all are inevitably going to go out to dinner where other people are drinking. And so having that solid footing and being able to put your sobriety first so that if you're on a date and you start to feel squirrely or the drink looks too good or your partner's pounding double bourbons 
you have the the self-confidence to leave or to end the date early and to take care of yourself and your sobriety because your sobriety is precious. So number one would be a firm foundation in sobriety. Number two would be to be very clear on what you're looking for and how you want to show up, whether it's you just want to date around and get to know a lot of different people or you're looking for something serious one day. It's important to go in with some clarity on that so that you can be true to your intuition and have that check of this is how I want to show up. This is how I want to be. This is kind of partner I want to be. And to recognize if things are not in alignment or not feeling right with that gut intuition. And the third would be to have fun. Oh, fun. Dates should be fun. (laughs) Getting to know someone. And it's okay if the first one or the 20th one isn't the one. If that's what you're looking for, go out, have fun, meet different people. My experience is that when the things that I am hoping for so tightly and hanging on to don't work out, it's because there's something much better out there. And so when that guy I thought was so cute and, but things felt really off there, when that didn't work out, that was kind of an ego shatterer. But I also knew I trusted that I would be okay. I'm a good person. I'm worthy of having a wonderful relationship and a partner. And if he didn't work out, then that means that the universe has got something else in store. Somebody more special. (laughs) That's a great way of looking at it. Anything else you think we should mention? I would love to hear people's questions. And so I will shamelessly plug my website. My uh, coaching company is called My Internal Weather, Okay, like the weather inside of me. And the web address is myinternalweather.com. And I have written about sober dating and sober relationships. I even have a free download on tips related to sober dating. And I'm a resource for people. Even if you're not a client of mine, you can schedule a clarity call to talk about what your relationship goals are or what you want to change. And we'll spend 30 minutes talking about that, focusing on you, because this is a really big, important topic. And I want everybody to find happy, healthy relationships and stay sober while they're doing that. Thank you for that great advice, Lily. Let's pull out some key points. Lily's full drinking story can be found on our previous episode, which came out in May, but she did give us an abbreviated version. She began her drinking career as a teenager, and it continued through law school and during her legal career. She became a daily drinker, frequently drinking alone and experiencing blackouts. At 37, she reached rock bottom. In fact, as she says in her previous interview, she had a series of rock bottoms, one of which involved drinking alone in her apartment all weekend. She felt hopeless, useless and miserable and finally reached out for some help. Reaching out for help is actually the hardest step of all. So if you're worried about your drinking, then please reach out to Tribe Sober today. Just go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe and we'll show you how to quit drinking and start building an alcohol-free lifestyle that you love. 
So Lily got sober in 2018 and she's been sober ever since. If you want to hear how she did it, then catch up with her story in that previous episode. As we switched to talking about relationships, Lily explained that she'd been shy as a child. So as a teenager, alcohol helped her to fit in, to feel part of things. It helped her to feel prettier, funnier and more vivacious, especially around men. As she got older, alcohol would always be a major player in her relationships. She would drink before the date, which often took place in a bar. And if her dates didn't drink, like she drank, then that could be a problem. Lily felt that alcohol made everything a bit brighter, a bit easier and less awkward. She just couldn't imagine her life without it. She certainly couldn't imagine dating without it. During her first year of sobriety, she didn't date at all. She believed in avoiding any major life changes during that first year. Major life changes like changing jobs, moving house and of course starting a new relationship. Lily had to focus on learning to love and look after herself before she'd be in a fit emotional state to look after someone else. She had the insight that she'd been using men a bit like she'd been using alcohol. Those highs of a new relationship giving her a dopamine hit and making her feel good, just like alcohol did in those early days. As Lily moved into her second year of sobriety, she went on her first sober date. She knew the guy, they both liked and respected each other and they had things in common. And although that relationship didn't develop into anything serious, Lily felt proud of herself, proud that she'd shown up as a very different person. And by this point, she felt so much clearer about who she was, what she wanted and what kind of person she was looking for. We talked about the risk of relationships between people in recovery and how they can crash and burn. We talked about the dangers of cross-addiction and how we can transfer our love affair with alcohol to food or shopping or sex. I asked Lily how a sober person should start looking for a new relationship once they'd completed their first alcohol-free year. Apparently there are sober dating apps. In fact, a quick Google search came up with a list of eight sober dating apps, which I'll add to the show notes. Although Lily had met some good people via dating apps when she was drinking, these days she feels more comfortable getting to know people first via a shared interest or through friends. We talked about the best way for sober people to use the regular dating apps and agreed that it's far better to disclose that you don't drink in your profile. Even if you get fewer matches, it's far better to know in advance that your sobriety may be a problem for some people. Let's face it, the people who don't match with you because of your sobriety are very likely to have a drinking problem themselves. First dates very often involve sitting across from each other, eating and drinking. But as Lily says, an experiential date may take a lot of the pressure off. Taking a walk, going to a dog park, going out for breakfast. In fact, one of Lily's best dates was a trip to a museum. I asked Lily what she'd learned from her experience of sober dating. 
So the main thing she's learned is to listen to her intuition. That gut feeling that tells her that this is someone she feels comfortable with. She's also experienced the opposite feeling when she hasn't felt comfortable with someone. And had she been drinking, she would often ignore that intuition and any red flags which could lead to problems later on in the evening. We agreed that if someone is feeling isolated and lonely in their sobriety, the focus should be on connecting with a community rather than focusing on finding a romantic partner. So even if you've been sober for a while, if you're feeling lonely, then take a look at some online sobriety groups. Go to tribesober.com and hit join our tribe if you'd like to try out our international community where we have many people already thriving in their sobriety. So here are Lily's top three tips for sober daters. Have a solid foundation to your sobriety. You can build this by experiencing restaurants and bars with friends who are drinking before you go out on dates. Have clarity about what you're looking for and how you're going to show up. And be prepared to leave the date if you feel your sobriety is at risk. Put your sobriety first. And last but not least, have fun. Keep it light, meet lots of people. And remember, if a relationship doesn't work out, it means the universe has something better in store. You can find out more about Lily on her website, which is myinternalweather.com. I'll put it in the show notes. On the website, you'll be able to find articles and tips on sober dating. So don't forget to join our Sobriety Bootcamp Facebook group so you're all set to join the free bootcamp on Monday. Five days of connection, training and tasks to get you started or restarted on your sobriety journey. And it's all absolutely free. So sign up today and join the conversation. Just go to tribesober.com and you'll see it on the homepage. So talking of the boot camp, I'm going to finish by reading out a couple of messages from the Sobriety Boot Camp Facebook group. People have been introducing themselves. Here's a message from Tombe. Thank you so much for accepting me. I joined the group with the hope that it will help me with my drinking problem as I seem to become a totally different person when I drink and that has led me to lose important people in my life as well as my self-respect. I made this decision for the sake of my sanity and my children. And a lovely reply from tribe member Laura who first found us via the boot camp. Welcome Tombe. You've come to the right place. I made the same decision for very similar reasons last August. I started with the boot camp and joined Tribe Sober afterwards. I haven't looked back. My children are so grateful and have encouraged and celebrated all my milestones with me. You'll not be sorry. We've also been asking people to share their objectives on the Facebook group. What do they want to get out of the boot camp? So here's one of those objectives from Vaz. I want to kickstart a very healthy and alcohol-free October and give myself the best chance of success. I want to get off the hamster wheel of cyclical drinking that I've been stuck in for years. 
I've had decent spells of being alcohol-free, but I always seem to end up being pulled back. The hamster wheel is such an appropriate description, Buzz. At Tribe Sober, we sometimes call it Groundhog Day. That sense of being stuck and doing the same thing over and over. And in fact, hopping on and off the wagon is exhausting and depressing. And it means we're just doing the hardest bit over and over again. So come to the boot camp and we'll teach you how to sustain your alcohol-free lifestyle. We'll be explaining why willpower is not the answer and sharing some tips so that you can avoid the moderation trap. So that's it from me. I look forward to seeing some of you at the boot camp and I'll be back next week. Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard, it takes courage and grit, and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain, and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.